from some guy you probably met on the internet. It's the Casey Lewis Podcast. It's Wednesday, December 16th, 2015, and this is the Casey Lewis Podcast, where we talk about crushing debt, loving work, and chasing dreams that matter. I'm your host, Casey Lewis. Hey, do you have a question about money, careers, debt, investing, college, cars, or real estate? Well, there's a few ways that you can ask your question and have it answered as part of the show. You can go to the podcast episode page at casey-lewis.com and click on the questions from the internet button, or you can hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at Casey N. Lewis, or this week, December 14th through the 18th at 1 o'clock p.m. Central Time, you can head over to the Periscope app and ask your questions there as I'll be recording a live episode each day this week. So kicking off today's show is a question from Drew. He said, I've heard you mention doing Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks for investing instead of a traditional IRA or 401k. Why is this a better option if your tax bracket is lower in retirement? Thanks for writing in, Drew. And uh, simply put, if you do the things that I teach, your tax bracket will not be lower in retirement. Um, Either that or uh, our government is going to continue raising tax rates and at some point they're just always going to be higher, and we can kind of see that we're headed that path anyway. So with the Roth IRA, the difference is you, in let's say for 2015, you fully fund a Roth IRA, which would be $5,500. You would not be able to write off that $5,500 from your taxes as a investment. With a traditional IRA, If you invest $5,500 and your income is $100,000 for the year, you would only pay taxes on $94,500. With the Roth IRA, you still pay taxes on the $100,000 that you earned this year, but in retirement, you don't pay any taxes. With a traditional IRA, you defer your taxes and you get to Avoid paying taxes now so that in retirement you can pay taxes later. And so with the Roth IRA, especially if your tax bracket is going to be higher, which it likely will be, it is a great incentive to invest into the Roth IRA, pay your taxes now, because down the line you will have a, a higher tax bracket and not have to pay taxes Yeah, you won't have to pay taxes with the Roth. So why will you have a higher tax bracket in retirement? Well, if you are maxing out a Roth IRA at $5,500 a year, and it's you and a spouse, it comes out to about $916 a month. And if you do that every month from age 30 to age 65, you are going to be incredibly wealthy you will likely be making more money in retirement than you ever thought about making in a single year when you were working. Because what happens is is you invest and you invest and you invest and that money grows on top of other money that grows on top of other money that grows. And all of a sudden you wake up at 65 and you've got $5 million. And how you live in retirement is that you have that money invested conservatively so that it can pay you a income every year. So on $500,000, if you have 
a 5% rate of return, which is a really, really terrible rate of return to be paying out, you're still on $5 million invested. You're still making 250000 a year. You'll likely be making significantly more money in retirement off of your investments than you were when you were working. So the Roth is a fantastic option for you. Now, if you're 55 and you're listening to me, you probably aren't going to have a higher tax bracket. If you've never saved before, if you've never invested anything before, you're probably not going to get there. So the traditional would be a good alternative for you if you're not going to be able to save up enough for future growth to where this is going to really make a big difference. But if you're anything less than 45 years old, it is a fantastic option for you. So great question, Drew. Thanks for writing in. Hey, today's show is brought to you by the 30 Days to Better Money ebook. I wrote this book over a series of two years. Several people went through an email program of it, and uh, this is what uh, resulted was this cool ebook that is a free uh, bonus for you when you sign up over at casey-lewis.com slash 30 days. But here's the deal. If you're ready to take your financial life to the next level, then this book is going to give you all the tools, tricks, and tips that you need so that you can go crush your money goals. Whether you're struggling with debt, planning for retirement, living paycheck to paycheck, or you just want a solid financial foundation, the 30 Days to Better Money ebook will walk you through exactly what to do and give you a roadmap for success. You can get your free copy by going over to casey-lewis.com slash 30 days. Our verse today is brought to you from Proverbs 3.9. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. With the first produce of your entire harvest. That means the off the top, the money that you make at the very beginning, that is what you get to give to honor the Lord. Our quote comes from Jonathan Swift. I bet he's a cousin of Taylor. It says, A wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. It is a wise thing to know how to handle money and how to manage money. And that's what you do every day that you listen to the Casey Lewis podcast or you read about financial stuff or you dig in and you budget. You are gaining wisdom about money but not loving it. Up next, we got a question from Eric. He says, I've been trying to get a part-time job to bring in extra income so that we can pay down our debts, but I never get called back on my applications. What else can I do? Good question, Eric. I'm dealing with this right now in my business. We're doing some marketing stuff and I'm hiring, well, low skill work. I need, I need flyers hung up on doors here locally in uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. So I put out a couple of ads to hire people to go hang these flyers up for me. Uh, and I've got all kinds of responses. I gave very specific instructions on how to fill out an application and it is crazy. The applications that I get. It's craziness. So here's what I, I know from, from my years working in corporate America, from my years working as at car dealerships and even at Chick-fil-A, is that for every one opening, the person that's making the hiring decision sees anywhere from 50 to 250 job applications and resumes. They don't have time to look through 50 applications. They don't have time to interview 50 people. 
So their first goal when they're looking at this stack of paper is to narrow that paper down very, very quickly. So they look at the application, the online application or the handwritten application or the resume, and they go through it and they say, can I read this if it's handwritten? So let's make sure we got good handwriting and that we're, that we're filling that out correctly. But then also, did every blank get filled in? And if you're filling out an application and you've got a resume, don't write C resume. Take the little bit of extra time that it's going to take to actually fill out the resume, the application correctly. Same if you're doing it on their website. Fill out the application fully and correctly and read the job description to make sure that you're following the instructions that the employer has laid out to hire you. I know this seems like common sense stuff, but I promise you it's not. Then I want you to take a look at your resume and I want you to really look and see if it uh, if it's formatted well, if there's spelling errors, if it makes good logical sense. Make sure your resume looks good. Yes, have a resume ready for a pizza delivering job. You walk into a pizza store with a resume, a cover letter, and a job application, you're getting the job. So this is what a hiring manager looks for is those three things first. Did they follow the instructions that I laid out for them to apply for the job? Can I read their application? Did they fill out the application entirely? And then did they go above and beyond? Because out of 50 people or out of 100 applicants, one or two people went above and beyond. And those are the ones that get the phone call back. So if you're looking for, I don't care if it's a part-time job, if it's a job working at the Gap in high school, I don't care what the job is, Spend some time to make sure your resume looks good. Learn how to write a cover letter. There's tons of templates online to to figure this stuff out. But before you just say, yep, I'd like to work for this job. I'm available anytime I have my own transportation. Before you just send that in, see what you can do to go above and beyond. And I promise you, your application will start to stand out in those stacks and the employers will start to hire you. Now, If you do all of that stuff and you don't get a phone call back, go physically into the location. If it is a pizza place or if it's a retail store or a restaurant and you're looking to work for them, go physically into the place during off-peak hours. So if it's a pizza place, don't go in there at 7 o'clock on a Friday night. But you could go in at 2.30 on a Tuesday afternoon and ask to speak with the general manager. And I promise... If you go in and you look presentable and you have a resume in hand and you if you can find their job applications online and you already have it pre-filled out and you take that stuff in at 2.30 on a Tuesday and ask to speak with the general manager, you will have a job delivering pizzas that night. I guarantee it. So good question, Eric. I'm dealing with it in my business. It's crazy. I'd say 80% of the applications I receive are immediately discarded and I focus on the 20% and see who actually really stands out in that 20%. So do a little bit of extra work to make sure your applications stand out. Thanks for writing in. Robin over on Facebook said, I've been paying down my debt for about six months and I love how much I've paid off. I still have another 12 months to go though. It's possible I may lose my job in about six months. Should I keep paying down debt? Well, good question, Robin. And this is one of those that depends. 
So you are crushing it right now to pay down as much debt as you have. And I get that you may lose your job in six months. I don't know what is forecast out there. If the companies maybe told you that's going to happen. Um, so here's how I look at this. If you know something inevitable is about to happen. So your company has said, Hey, we are going to be laying people off in 90 days. Well, that is a stage five level emergency. If you are pregnant, you've got nine months until that baby gets here. You are at a stage five level emergency to be prepared for this baby. If you're getting married, you can slow down on paying off debts so that you can pay for the wedding because I don't want you going into more debt to pay for the wedding. So there are certain times where things are inevitable that are going to happen that yes, we can press pause. We don't stop, but we press pause and say, I'm not going to pay down this debt anymore, but I'm still going to be intense. I'm still going to work the 27 jobs. I'm still going to have a slashed monthly budget and all of the money that I was throwing at my debts, I'm going to throw at my savings account. So typically I tell you to have one month of your guts, your groceries, utilities, transportation, and shelter into an emergency account, into a money market account at your local bank or credit union. And that is what you have before you start paying off on any debts. And so for a family of four, that may be about $3,000 or $3,500. For a single person, that may be $1,000 or $1,500. It just depends on your situation. But once you have that, you throw everything over that towards your debts. But if you have one of these inevitable, I'm going to be losing my job, it, it's happening. Then we press pause on paying off debt and we build up that savings account as much as we can until we get through the inevitable circumstance. But if you just think you might maybe in the future someday lose your job for whatever reason, then no, keep paying off on your debts, keep crushing it, keep hustling. This is why we have a small emergency account of one month of your guts in place, because if something sudden happens where all of a sudden you walk in and your company says you don't work here anymore. Well, you're not freaking out. You've got one month of your guts. So you can make it for about 60 days without any income because one month of your guts will cover a lot of your expenses for 30 days and then they don't kick you out of your house immediately. They don't repossess your car immediately. You've got some time. You can buy some room. So you've got 30 to 60 days to make things happen with the emergency account that you have in place with the one month of your guts. But if you know guaranteed something's happening, Let's build that savings account up a little bit more. And then after you get through the catastrophic event, if you lose a job or after the baby gets here, if you're pregnant and everything's good, any money you have left over that's above that one month of your guts, just make a big giant payment toward your debt snowball and and press play again on your debt snowball to get that paid off. That's a really, really good question, Robin. Thank you for writing in. Hey, if you have a question for me, head over to the podcast episode page at casey-lewis.com. Hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at Casey N. Lewis. Or this week only, December 14th through the 18th at 1 o'clock Central Time, you can find me on the Periscope app at Casey N. Lewis as I'm recording new shows. If you've listened to the last few episodes, we talked about some goal planning things that you should be doing and could be doing. And so I told you to dream without any inhibitions, without any 
without any reservation, just dream with whatever you can do. Anything that you think you might maybe kind of want to do in 2016, write it down and do that for a straight 20 minutes. And then the next day, I want you to pick five of those things and write them down on an index card, one thing per index card, so you have five index cards. And then I told you, hey, let's figure out kind of a vague timeline of when you're going to accomplish these things. Write down when next year you're going to run that marathon or when you're going to go on that vacation as far as what month it's going to be. So today, now that you've got your five index cards, you've identified kind of when those things are going to happen. I want you to identify what the first step is. So if that first step is, if, if you're going to Disney, if that's your big dream, if you're going to go to Disney World, well then your first step might be research how much Disney costs. If your big dream is that you're going to quit your job, well your first step might be to figure out kind of what you might want to do next. If your big dream is to run a marathon, your first step might be Google um, training uh, training routines for a marathon. If your goal is to lose 20 pounds, well, figure out how to lose 20 pounds. You're going to do some research. That might be your first step. So what I want you to do now is identify what your first step is. And what you'll notice that we're starting to do with this is we're taking these big dreams that you had way up in the clouds and we're bringing them down and we're putting legs on them and we're giving them action steps and we're going to start tackling this stuff and commit to it and go win with the big dreams that you have. Because I think a lot of times we just go through life, we take the kids to school and we come home. We go to work and we come home. We watch TV, we eat dinner, we go to bed, we wake up, we do it all again, and we get in this uh, monotony, in this routine, and we forget how to dream, and we forget what we want to be when we grow up. Or we forget that we can try to do new things. And that's what I want you to get used to is, I'm going to dream, 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 dream. Okay, this is what I really want to do now. And start bringing that dream out of the clouds and start turning it into a reality. And this is the process that we use to do that. So go ahead and take care of that step. And then on the next episode, we'll uh, we'll continue that a little bit further. As always, we're give, I want to highlight a giving opportunity. And this week is all about Charity Water. They're a nonprofit organization bringing clean and safe drinking water to people that are in developing nations. And the thing I love about Charity Water is their unique 100% giving model. So for every dollar you give, that dollar goes directly to fund a water project. It doesn't go to pay the executives it doesn't go to pay the light bills it doesn't go to pay for the overhead or the marketing that is all handled by outside donors so your donation goes direct to help provide water you know exactly what you're paying for so head over to charitywater.org if you'd like to learn more about them well with that i'm going to wrap things up be sure that you go check out the 30 days to better money ebook you can get your free copy at casey-lewis.com 30 days and if you haven't yet and you like the show would you head over to itunes take just a second to leave a rating and review five stars is my favorite version of ratings but uh you put whatever you feel comfortable with 
So with that, I'm wrapping up the show. Remember, your dreams matter. Put your money in a position to chase after what's important. Go crush it, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for checking out the Casey Lewis Podcast. Connect with Casey on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by following at KCN Lewis. You can get all the show notes for today's shows and tons of bonus content on the podcast episode page at casey-lewis.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave a rating and review for us over in iTunes. That's right, that's right.